terrible things about intro music is some songs are so beloved and so wonderful, you hate to talk over them, you hate to diminish them, you hate to shorten them. And that song came out actually the year I was born, which means Civil War era. And it is an incredibly amazing song by a guy who was a humorist, a comedian, a popular studio player, and a songwriter by the name of Mason Williams. That song, Classical Gas. So it was already in sort of like gold rotation, which means that song's been out for years by the time I remembered hearing it on the radio. But it was so popular and so wonderful that it happened. Mason Williams, Classical gas and I think now I like a ton of electro and techno and down tempo and background stuff a lot of it but you don't get crossover instrumentals anymore like you used to like there were great songs like that like Mason Williams classical gas it totally fits with today's weather too because I could just imagine this person like it's 116 below today or something like that. Close. And where you didn't bring your hat and mittens and you're kind of starting out just walking from where the building that you're in. You're kind of walking slowly and you're like, I got this. I'm, I'm cool. My car's a few blocks away. And then you kind of pick <laughs> up and you're a little, you're kind of walking a little bit. Fat. You're like, it's really fucking cold out here. Where, <laughs> where in the fuck are my mittens? Yeah. And my, you know, you're like, no, you literally, you're just kind of rolling into it. And then finally you're up to a sprint on the snow and ice you're about ready to do the Matrix, or you're, like, falling back. No, you were already in an 80s training montage 30 seconds into that song over there behind the board. Yeah, I you was. were. Uh, that's Sean Bernard. My name is Brian Oak. This is The Brian Oak Show. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 20, the thing I like about this kind of weather, when I woke up this morning and, Sean, you and I had to be at a meeting, uh... I hate dinosaur weather, and I didn't choose that. I know a lot of people prefer the warmer weather, but when the dew point is high and the temperature is high, I walk outside and I immediately get dumb, and I immediately start sweating even though I'm standing still, and I hate it. This weather, I do not prefer it to be. I'd rather have it be spring or fall all the time. But this kind of weather, I prefer to the super hot weather because much like you're saying, like suddenly you start running, you're like, if I don't pay attention, I'm dead it's over. I will die in this yes. weather if I don't pay attention. And it, it brings a certain alertness that I'm not used to always feeling, and I kind of prefer it. Well, then you do that thing where you cover up your your mouth and your nose with your hands to kind of heat those up, but then your ears are freezing. Then you go back to the ears with your hands that were just... Problem with that? Humidity, yeah. man. Again, again, I know. you get back to dew point, you cover up your mouth and your nose like this, Yes. and then suddenly they're covered with even just the faintest layer of moisture. So as soon as you remove the hands yes. back to the ear... Science says you're going to lose your lips and your nose. Have a great show, everybody. Come <laughs> the it is very cold here in Minnesota right now, but I love it here, and there's nowhere else I'd rather be, which is why we're doing the Brian Oak Show. We are broadcasting from the Smart Start MN Studios. What does Smart Start do? They are the original Minnesota inter- uh, inner... Ignition interlock? Ignition. Isn't it interlock ignition? No. Ignition interlock. Okay, so I'm not always so smart. I'm sorry. You may be getting up really early today. (laughs) (laughs) In any event, what they do is should you find yourself on the wrong side of a DUI, they will get you back in your car for cheaper and faster than you expected. It's basically a breathalyzer in your vehicle that will get you back on the road almost immediately. It's actually kind of startling how quickly they can get you back into it. So... The first thing I would say is don't ever drink and drive. This is a dumb idea. Should you or anyone you know drink and drive? Because unfortunately, despite the obvious wisdom, 
inherent in not drinking and driving, people do it on the regular. Well, and the reason for that, I always love when people say, well, what an idiot, that guy got a DUI. But the problem is that some people that drink excessively, they lose their logic when they drink because they drink so much they don't think about you know, driving or not driving. So they're not idiots. They probably have some kind of a drinking issue. But the the nice thing about Smart Start MN is they don't shame you. They don't guilt you. They don't do anything like that. They just help you get into a vehicle and be able to drive it so you can live somewhat of a normal life after you deal with the uh, the issue of getting a DUI. Mike and Ed, who are the two lawyers who are behind this whole thing, their whole bit is they just want to help you, and they understand the nature of the law. They are not advocating drinking and driving. No. They're like, oh, hey, here's how you get around this. No, because guess what? The limit for ignition interlock is significantly lower than the legal limit, which is already pretty low. You talk about people who are regular drinkers, but occasionally there are people who are like, I'm just going out to have fun tonight. Blah! And I made a bad choice, and now I drive home and now I have a DUI and now for the next three months I don't have a license, they can get you back in your car. They can get you on the road and also the good people at Smart Start MN are providing a discount for subscribers and listeners to the Brian Oak Show. Yeah, here's the deal. In order to be able to, to get that discount you have to go to smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Oak Show. Check out that and you can also go to our homepage to check out the fantastic video of you and Ed Cohen Talking about how it all works. Luckily, he's smart and charming because I'm an idiot in that video, but you can go check that out. My name Hmm. is Brian Oak. His name is Sean Bernard. Uh, Sean Bernard, also a partial sponsor of the show here. He works at the 50th and France office of Edina Realty, but he does serve the whole metro. And here we are in the deepest, darkest, coldest days where like people are like, yeah, I want to buy a house. I want to sell a house. But everyone knows prevailing logic. You don't do it at this time of year. You're a dummy. Why would you do that? Sean, answer that question. Why would you do that? Well, people do buy and sell. We just had multiple uh, offers on a place last weekend and uh, at my office, somebody had that happen. And there are people that look at this time of the year and they say, you know what? I want to sell my place and not have to ever shovel or mow again. And so they might want to downsize and they might want to travel and and that sort of thing. So or just get the hell out of here. Exactly. But this is also a great time to plan out your year. A lot of people spend right. January planning out their year and kind of say, okay, well, we're not going to sell till May, but get a hold of me anyway. 612-859-2594. We can, I can at least do a market analysis and you may wait three years, but at least we, you kind of know where you stand compared to your neighbors who have sold or have houses pending or that sort of thing. So, I just got my tax statement and apparently my house has gone up in value, which means my escrow wasn't done properly, which means my mortgage payment just went up $150 a month. Oh, man. So this podcast needs to happen, Sean. (laughs) Hey, coming up very shortly, we have an incredible guest who I met years ago when she was but a wee baby, and she's still very young, but she has turned into, not that you weren't before, but a really impressive young woman whose story is so wonderful and so rich, I cannot wait to talk to Lydia Liza. But before we do, I want to mention that before we started this podcast, there were people who had enough faith and enough kindness. So in addition to having our sponsors, we do have a Patreon account. Patreon is different than Kickstarter or Fun Squirrel or whatever the various money raising fund squirrel, fund squirrel. Oh. 
Fun Squirrel. Like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Fun Squirrel is an entirely different website, which also requires you to pay money. But we'll talk about that on Ryan. a different episode. Anyway, uh, Fund Squirrel is what I said. But Patreon is something that allows you to support someone on the monthly. And the number of people who jumped on board to be Patreon VIPs early on, we set the amount at $20. $20 a month is real money. Like, the, you know, people have real world expenses. And the fact that enough people jumped on board to help us rent this studio, to get this equipment, to get this effort off the ground is truly humbling. And we promised early on that we were going to make sure to find a way to repay you. And the ways to repay you will become bigger. Oh, there will be tote bags. Not yet, but there will be tote bags. But Just have a dream. That's all you got to do. It starts with a dream and a wish. Right. As it says on the wall right there, never give up on your stupid, stupid dreams. But really don't. So our very first ever live event, which is going to be made available to all of our Patreon VIPs. Uh, By the way, patreon.com slash Brian Oak Show if you'd like to go learn more, explore the possibilities. But our very first ever Patreon live music event is coming up in just a couple of weeks. In fact, let me do a little math. Son of a bitch. Two weeks from tonight. Yeah, Thursday the 30th. Doors at 530. We're going to have music at 630. Well, who's going to be playing? I reached out to our good friend. You and I both, I mean, we both consider him a good friend. Mm. Ben Lubeck of the band Farewell Milwaukee. Ben Lubeck is not only wildly talented, but every, literally, I've, I've probably seen him 40 times in my life. And literally every time that impossibly warm and wondrous grin splits his face. And then he couldn't be nicer and want to talk more. And I'm like, Ben, you got to go play. He's like, yeah, one more thing. He he's one of the nicest and warmest people. But in addition to that, you're like, well, I didn't pay twenty bucks a month to be a Patreon VIP to be around nice people. Show me something good. One of the greatest Minnesota singer songwriters that we have, whether it be with his band Farewell Milwaukee or as a solo artist. He's just been nothing but kind to me and my life, and I just think the world of him when he was having his first kid. We had the big dad conversation about having a daughter, uh-huh. and now he has a couple of daughters, but. Uh, he what's cool about him is like three months later after the baby was born after she was born i get the message and he's like oh my god thank you for some of the things that you said right and and he's just he's gracious he's kind and he's incredibly talented and we're lucky to have him at that show it's going to be at uh, hook and ladder you do need to be a patreon member to uh to go there but of course all of our guests are invited uh to go to that i would love to hear uh lydia liza with ben lubeck at some point doing like a song together sometime that'd be fun Whoa. to hear be fun to hear you guys sing together sometime. suddenly the creative wi- the gandalf of production over there is coming up with ideas before we even get there oh come on bearded one two, <laughs> two weeks from tonight we're going to be there at hook and ladder again not open to the public but open to our patreon vips or yes. patreon members you said members and i want to know now let's just say members for this first one <gasps> Everyone who's donated on Patreon. I think is we do for the, for the very first one because they showed their loyalty up front. Let's just invite everybody to the first one. Plus a guest. Them plus one. You generous, <laughs> glorious, wondrous, cantankerous, dichotomous son of a bitch. And free hugs for everybody from Brian O. Nope. <laughs> nope. I am not a toucher. I know you're not. I, I am not, not a toucher. That yeah. being said, we can have a conversation. Yeah. So down the road, as the events begin to develop, it's going to be VIPs. You just said out I know, loud. I know. Every, and, and I agree. I agree. But then what's the incentive for being a VIP? 
down the road it'll be about that you are a continuous donor, but the very people who started this out and show their generosity, I think this very first event, we have to be open and welcoming and then fuck everybody after that. Wow. <laughs> Suddenly you became the Dark Lord. You suddenly, I know. Suddenly I you're it. Emperor I Palpatine. Know. It's it's unbelievable. We are going to talk to Lydia Liza, who is our guest, coming up very, very shortly. A wondrous story, incredible music, a great person who I had a chance to meet years ago, but haven't seen in a long time and I'm dying to catch up with. In the meantime, though, we've got a couple songs we're going to play, and the first one is from none other than the guest of our very first Patreon supporters uh, movement, which is coming up. Two weeks from tonight at Hook and Ladder, the one, the only, the giant, tall, gangly, delightful ginger known as Ben Lubeck right here on The Brian Oak Show.
everyone knows that's a Warren Zevon song or Zavon, whatever you prefer to say. So no emails, please. One of my least favorite things to do is to post a really brilliant cover and have someone be like, well, you know, that was originally done by Warren Zavon. Really? Thanks, Captain Obvious. <laughs> Thank you so much. However, that woman's voice is as iconic a 20th century American singer's voice as any. Like, I put her up there with Karen Carpenter, who I revere in extremely high regard, regardless Absolutely. of the songwriting content. Linda Ronstadt is, from the late 60s to the mid to late 70s, and she had success well beyond that, she was the definitive American female rock and roll voice. Yes, there was heart. Yes, there were others in there as well. Linda Ronstadt's voice will never be allowed to be diminished. And it was on heavy rotation in my house as I was growing up. My dad was a mega fan. And of course, things have gone poorly for her late in life. She can oh. no longer sing. It's tragic. Oh. However, you have to you don't have to love her songs. You don't and she she succeeded largely on covers, in my opinion, that by no means diminishes her legacy or what she's done. But that recent documentary, The Sound of My Voice oh, by Linda Ronstadt, so is both heartening, inspirational, and devastating because her her story, like many great stories, has high points and low points. The fact that her original backing band back in the late 60s was Glenn Fry and Don Henley, essentially, they're like, hey, David Geffen said, will you come and be the Eagles? And sh they asked her nicely because she made them a thing in L.A. back in the late 60s and early 70s. She's like, of course, off you go. I'll find other people. This is a good opportunity. Because she's warm at heart, but one of the most incredible, incredible voices ever. I love Linda Ronstadt. I love her voice, too. My mom was a huge fan and would belt, you know, belt out her songs while they were playing on the record player. Mm -hmm. And we actually had eight tracks, an eight-track player in the house. In the uh, house. In the house for a while, not just in the car. The only the place house, yeah. I've ever seen eight-track players, so I've never seen a house one. Uh, I had an uncle who had a boat with an eight-track player. Sweet. When we go to Big Eagle Lake, he only had like three of them, but one of them was Nazareth. Lots of brown and Hair leather, uh, uh, brown and yellow uh, I also had a cousin Seats. who had a car that had an eight-track player, but I never had one in the house. Trust me. I mean, I've had cassette players and vinyl and all that stuff, but an eight-track player in the house is a commitment to the bit. Pretty sweet. I would like to bring in tonight's guest because we have made her wait far too long, and her story is really the reason why we're here tonight. Her name is Lydia Liza, and we first crossed paths. Now, I'd heard of you well before this, but I had an event some years ago when I was doing a morning show with Carrie Noble over at Cities 97, and we had an event at the Poor House, I believe. Oh, my God. Where you came out and played live, and at the time... Now, again, I'm not trying to, I don't believe in age shaming, but I do believe it's worth noting because I think it's an important part of your story. You were, you were very, very you were a teenager at yes. that point. Uh, by the way, hi, Lydia. How Hello. are you? Good to see you. Good to see you, too. I just, I can't imagine being considered a teen phenom and what the pressure of that must be like and how it is. So before we get to that part of the story, I would like to know about you. I would like to know... Where were you born? Where'd you grow up? Yeah. Uh, born in St. Paul. Mm -hmm. And I grew up until I was three at the lower town, the Northern Warehouse in Lower Town, St. Paul. So Very right by cool. the farmer's yeah. market, exactly. right by Black Dog, like cool. that, that yeah. whole area in Lower Town. Yep. Same building. So Very that's close where to the... CHS Stadium. Is that what it's called? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, right, right there. Right there. Um, yeah. That is an artist loft. My dad is a painter, oil painter. 
Um, and then when I was three, we moved to the house I I currently live in with my parents. Right on. Well, <laughs> yeah. There's no shame in that game. My <laughs> daughter, save money. My daughter, who is 21, still lives in the house. Well, she wasn't born in the house, but we've lived there a very long time. Right. So you grow up and... but. So there are a lot of people who love music. There are a lot of people who have a gift for music. There are very few people who get recognized and then suddenly get branded by everyone as a teen phenom, as you did. So what is your path to that? Where do you first find music as your love and then start to articulate it and get recognized? Because that is not a thing that happens to the vast majority of potential artists. Yeah. uh, So I started writing songs when I was 14. Um I guitar. Yeah, I I learned guitar. I learned how to read tabs on a guitar. A friend showed me, and then I started learning Mumford and Sons songs. Did you? Wow, (laughs) you are so young. Wow, that's that's super humbling. Yeah. So, I mean, did you sing in choir? Did you did you do music at school? Like, at at what point did you're like, I love music, and I want to try to articulate this? It wasn't really a conscious thing at all. I. Played cello. I was homeschooled for oh, a long I loved, time. Loved the cello. Yeah. So I, my first instrument was the cello, and I could not figure out how to read music. I couldn't figure it out. No matter what, I was always playing by ear. And then I learned how to play the guitar. And then right after learning a couple Mumford and Sons, I started to write my own songs. And it didn't even really. It wasn't like a "this is what I'm gonna do" kind of thing. It was like, "Wow, it'd be fun to get a band together. Let's goof off. Let's do this." Because playing music is fun, and yeah. it, it's it's satisfying. What was the very first Mumford & Son song? It had to have been like Roll Away Your Stone. Crazy. Or White Blank Page. Like that first record. Okay, so I don't want to, I hate asking anyone their age, but, but you became a teenage phenom. Can I ask how old you are right now? 25. I was 16. Zero percent chance that's true. Hmm. You seem much younger than that. Anyway, and that's supposed to be a compliment, by the way. That is supposed to be a compliment. Um, So you start playing Mumford & Sons, which, again, are not... I think that some people think that, like, uh, the number of people, like, where I've hosted in-studio performances in doing radio for 25 years, are like, oh, I'm just going to do a quick version of Blackbird by the Beatles. Right. Wildly complex song. Way harder than you think. I have to imagine that Mumford & Sons was the same thing. Like, did you sit in your room for hours trying to decipher... The yeah. lock? Yeah, exactly. It was so fun. It was such a puzzle to decipher all these songs. And it was especially fun since I couldn't read anything. I would just look at these numbers and know they correlated to a fret. And then I'd have to figure out the rhythm and everything So myself. you're looking at tabs. Do, yeah. you, do you read music now? No. Wild. Yeah, I cannot what? figure it out. Okay, fine. And again, yeah. no harm, no foul, no judgment, because you were by no means the first successful musician to not read music. But that is wild to me when people hear your songs and the kind of things you do to think that you're doing it by ear, yeah. by feel, and by thought. And you just feel, like, if you can't read music, how do you know what chords to play? No idea. It's a memory thing. It's a physical memory. Yeah, yeah. It's my coolest Thing about me. I have no idea what I'm doing. I even went to college for music for five years and took music theory and couldn't figure it out. Quick, cool thing to play for you guys. Yeah, Please. absolutely. Go ahead. You need to guess where this is. Here it comes. Down. Is this at Studio C? No. Darn it. Isn't that an arena? 
God, I love that song. That's me in Dublin at the Jameson Distillery in Mumford and Sons playing. Oh my God. Wow. And 2011. And, you yeah. know, Brian and I, he's met way more uh, nationally touring artists than I have, but, yeah. but having a chance to meet them after the show. Couldn't have been nicer human beings. They're, I'm wonder, sure. they're wonderful people. So and, great. And wildly sure. talented. And that, yes. that came, that sort of ushered in the era of what I like to refer to as chronic banjosis. Like it got, <laughs> a, it, it, got a, it got a little weird there for a while. It did. And I love American Roots music, but suddenly, you know, banjo, like Avet Brothers, everything, it was all over the place. But I love Mumford and Sons oh my because God, yeah. they play so passionately mm-hmm. and they put on a show that if you walk in a disbeliever, you will leave a believer and you will leave $10 in the collection plate when it's time to go. Yes. They're one of the most inspirational bands I've seen in the last 15 years. So you go from being inspired by that and literally teaching yourself how to play their songs from yeah. tabs. At what point do you... The, the, the part of the story that I find fascinating is the pressure of... You know, there are so many people who work so hard. So you, at some point, start to write your own music. Yeah. And then at some point, it comes to the awareness of the greater public. How does that process happen? Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, I know it's yeah. a longer story than that. I'm no, not asking you to give me the 30. I don't want the elevator speech, but I also don't want the two hour and 45 yeah. minute speech. <laughs> but I mean, like, at some point, you sit down and you decide to start making your own music. But then... A lot of people do that, but then it it, it becoming a thing, yeah. and then becoming a real thing, and then becoming a wow thing, that that's not simple, and it's super super rare. Yeah, I, I so as soon as I started writing songs, I think I had ten songs, got a little band together of some dudes I had heard of that were in I went to junior high with. Right, we're freshmen in high school, and then. We did a battle of the bands. We won against 200 other bands. Yeah, wow. F, F you 200 other bands. <laughs> Holy shit. What was, it, what, what was the band called at that point? Uh, I think we were called Reptar. Nice. Yeah. Yes, we were called Reptar at the time. Won that battle of the bands, and then we were like, oh, fuck, that's copywritten. <laughs> and then, so You have we, to pick a different name. Yeah, and Although so- Although Reptar is a badass I name. Know. It is. It oh, was, look at that look in your eyes. That was wonderful. I missed it. <laughs> I, I missed. So you realize you realize Reptar because that's is that like a cartoon? Thing? The Rugrats. That's the dinosaur in the Rugrats. O M G. Yeah. You guys. Yeah. Reptar. You, I know. My, oh my god! My daughter is only three years younger than you are. So I watched it. Sh- oh yeah. A, a healthy amount of Rugrats. Let's oh say. Oh my god! I still do. So, Reptar, <laughs> what about Powerpuff Girls? You down with Powerpuff Girls? Though? Absolutely. The same. Yeah. All right, so let, but let's not get distracted, although I we could go off on that for a whole other show. Yeah. Um, and we might in the future. So, Reptar, no longer workable. Yeah. You've got a band. You've won a battle of the bands and beat out 200 other bands, which, again, it doesn't mean you're going to be successful, but it's got to feel like uh, you won. Yeah. You won. Holy moly. So, the the winning, the the loot was recording time it was 24 hours oh that's great yeah so we quick changed our name we were all taking spanish bomba de luz perfect so then we all which means get, what by the way for those of us not spanish adjacent l- bomb of light okay that's and then nice. Was, yeah why I not mean, I, I know that you were in the band bomba de luz i just don't i don't have any idea what it means yeah. but i like it yeah why not yeah. How, how did you pick it uh our drummer yelled it out from behind the kit at practice <laughs> 
And then we were like, yeah, I love it. <laughs> that's the best story ever. That that's great. Name. I love it. He was just like, bombardados. Don't and ever I was think like, it. That's the, and yep. There it is. So then we went and recorded. And then as soon our parents pulled their money together for us to press some physical copies to give to our friends at high school. Your parents were believers. Like, they're like, this is good enough that we're going to throw some money at this and yeah. help you distribute your music to your friends. Exactly. That's fantastic. Yeah. And then my dad bought a screen printer and we printed shirts and I dropped a CD off at The Current and they started playing it the next week. That seems pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty. Wow. Amazing. Insane. Well, And here's the deal. So I recently parted ways with The Current. That being said, I still support them to this day because yeah. the amount of benefit they do to this community and to local bands and local artists far outweighs the square ass Lutheran jive of the administration there. And I like yeah. I like what they do there very, very much. No kidding. So you get played on the current, you start to what what happens next? Are there are there articles? Are there people calling you up to book you? I mean what what's the next phase of why this starts to happen? Yeah, it was a whirlwind. It was Constant emails getting booked for all kinds of things and um, getting played. And then we did another Battle of the Bands. How old are you at this point, if you don't mind my asking? I think it was 17 or 18. Okay, very good. Um, And at this point, I was also getting pretty introduced to alcohol. And yeah. that, that comes in later. But mm-hmm. right. uh, So I we win another Battle of the Bands, record another record release that record and where's this battle of the bands if you don't mind my asking like who's administering it I we mean... did one at the garage and then we did one at grand all day okay very good yeah did and... you meet alcohol on match.com or is it more of like a friend <laughs> introducing you uh it was actually christian mingle it was yeah okay nice i thought it was uh, well uh, what, what is it called? Okay, Fa- Cupid. <laughs> no, there's one like Farmers Fish Only. Oh, no, Farmers oh, Only. God. I've, I've, those commercials come up and I'm like, I've lived in Coon Rapids, but I am not qualified to be on Farmers Only. Let's do this real quick, if you don't mind, because we've been talking for yeah. a long time and I love your story. What I do want to hear is both your meeting and your breaking up with alcohol. Because yeah. I feel like that's an important part of your story. But before we do that, can we hear your first song? Yeah. Is that cool? What Let's are we going to play? Let's do it. Um, it's a new song. It just came out a couple <gasps> weeks ago. It's called I Am Only. The, it's a collaboration with my best friend Spencer, who also goes by Big Cats.
Eliza, Lydia, tell me the name of that song again. Lydia, tell me the name of that song again. I am only the... So, Made with Big Cats. Tell me about Big Cats. Yeah. Um, we met probably around the time I was getting traction. Probably, I was probably 17. And then later, we would tour with Toki Wright together. Oh, right on. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and so, and who did the rap break in that song? Uh, Chance York. That's um that's a very very good song and that's a Thank new you. one yeah yeah and that comes out when the thirty first of this month of January and we are recording this today on the sixteenth of January so yes. two weeks from tomorrow will people be able to find it everywhere yeah okay yes. very good and um, you also I believe on the thirty first to celebrate this new release now yeah. is it a full length an EP what it's are we a talking full length. About? okay so you have a brand new full even though you just put out a full length in yeah. September yeah. I'm making up for lost time. So you're going you're going through a prolific period, is what you're telling me. A little bit. Okay, but that's great. Yeah. When it, when it, you, I, I hate I hate when people use really bad old cliches, but this one seems appropriate. You know, you make hay when the sun is shining, right? Like yeah. if you're feeling it right now and you're cranking things out. So that last record of Unsound Mind, yes. that came out in September. I mean, is that is that years of stuff welling yeah. up and now it comes out, but now you're in this spot where like, let's do this. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Because with your first record, I feel like it's however old you are. Right. You know, it took me 24 years to write that one. They always say you that. Like, you, mean? you've got your whole life to make your first record. Yeah. Now, and especially do not, the whole sophomore slump thing, which a lot of people avoid, but it's actually a cliche for a reason. You can fuck it up. That does not sound like you're on the path to fucking it up. That sounds I like you've not. got... <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. Oh, Lydia Liza, it is wonderful to catch up with you and yeah. talk with you. So, Of Unsound Mind came out in September. You yeah. got a brand new record on the way at the end of January 2020. 20, on the 31st, you're doing a show. Where and with whom is the show at? Yeah. What's going on? It's at 7th Street. Um, Dwynell Roland is playing. What? Yeah. You know Dwynell's been on this show? Yes. You know Dwynell's my guy, right? <laughs> yes. Okay, good. I think he... Man, that guy. That guy has a smile. And, like, there are a lot of great smiles in the world. And he's fun to talk to. I think he's a super talented entertainer. But that guy, when that smile cracks that face... Like it's it, you need sunglasses. It's yes. hard to be in the same room oh when God, that smile I love happens. Him so much. A same. I, yeah. I I could not agree more. Ugh. So I'm sorry. Uh, you, big cats, Dwynell. Yeah. Who else? Uh, K Radio, and then Talia Knight is DJing. Okay. And then it'll be just a. Our record has a lot of um, 
what's the a lot of collaborations, a lot yeah. of people, a lot of features. So a lot of the kids like to call them collabs. Uh, I know oh, you're moving collabs. on in years oh, now. Yes, so yes. um Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we've got a few collabs on this record, so yeah, they're yeah, gonna yeah. Come and, up and so, on so you're gonna have collaborators there with you. Yes. So this is in the entry on the evening of the thirty first, which yes. is also a Friday. It's sponsored by Surly too. Really? Sur- Furious forty eight. Oh, go. right on. Yeah. You know, I think that's. I think that when I came in here because you were in here the other night, Sean, recording a, so- a song with, with Terry, Terry Walsh, Walsh called "Stupid Vikings," which he recorded before they shit the bed in that God, last game. He knew it. Um, but I, I, I took the garbage out, and there might have been fourteen or fifteen crushed cans of Furious Forty Eight. What was funny is we probably did ten takes of the song. The first couple were not good. He's like, why don't you hand me one of those surly? So I had <laughs> yeah. surly. We did the second take. We did the third take. We did the fourth take. You got there. Hand me another one of those surlies. And then literally the last take, it was great. Boom. Yeah. Oh, my God. And we'll share that coming spot. up. You know, let's talk about that a little bit. So before the song, um, we started talking to Lydia, which, by the way, that song, who does, like, do you do all the music? Are there? Do you have beat makers? Who else is collaborating on that song? Yeah, it's me and Spencer. So uh, And Spencer is Big, big Cats. cats. Right. Yeah. Just one dude. Um, we recorded that in his home studio. The vibe is good. Yeah. My favorite record from last year was Billie Eilish, and not oh, because I'm trying to be cool and trying to be young, because between her and her brother, her measured approach yes. to her songwriting and, and her vocals and her, her presentation and his quality of beats, nothing yes. is overdone, nothing is over-delivered, but it's all incisive and devastating. And yeah. I, I got to be honest, I'm not trying to overstate things, that song is in that same ballpark that we just heard. Uh, amazing. Yeah. I was listening to Billy on the way here. Oh, I love her so much. I, here's the yeah. deal. Like, you know, middle-aged white guys like me aren't, that's not who she's trying to appeal to. But she is. It was my favorite record that I heard last year because it was the most interesting thing ever. Yes. And there were a lot of good records. That was the most prescient and present and modern day record that I heard in 2019. Yeah. My favorite record it of 2019. It was my favorite record too. Yeah. So the with the record that we're coming out with, it was a lot of that me coming in to Spencer's house and being like, yo, dude, I got a song. Let's do it. And I'd just record it. And then we'd be like, okay, obviously this is not an acoustic guitar song. Mm-hmm. Let's make the acoustic guitar a banjo. And then let's also do some thumps. And buzzes a, underneath a deep guttural <laughs> grinding buzz yeah. underneath it because that's it's where we are now. And no, I really, really enjoyed that song. So the new record is called Oh Boy. Yeah, and it's out <laughs> at the end of the month on the thirty first. There is a show at the entry. We'll talk more about that again before the show's ever. But I want to tell one other part of your story because to me this is important. Um, I'm someone who has enjoyed good times most of my life and by that i mean like when i was a younger person about your age i was a daily weed smoker that was my whole bit like i didn't drink at all like not a drop and i love smoking weed and it was fun and then i got into radio and started working like having to get up at 4 a.m every morning you can't smoke weed that way so i kind of chilled out i kind of was not a teetotaler but you know i I picked my spots and then later in life i was like well i just i can't get up early anymore if i smoke weed so i started drinking and to this day i'm an active drinker, but it, it, it hits everyone differently, right? Yeah. It, 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 it changes everyone's lives in different ways, and there would be those in my life who would argue, like, ease up, brother. Do your thing. Okay, settle down. You mentioned, before we got into that song, 
that you began a relationship with alcohol. How old were you when that started to happen? Yeah, I was like 17 or 18. Okay. I mean, I'm in green rooms. They're free. We're getting paid in beer. Yeah, you know? exactly. And so you start yeah. to have some. And, but there's a difference because like everyone likes to party when they're young, right? Like, yeah. oh, hey, we're having fun. We're partying. But then there comes an awareness in your head at some point, having been around enough people who have gone through recovery, having been around enough family members to be certain that have yeah. gone through this process, and some have succeeded and survived and some have failed and died at at some point you realize i'm not just doing this when it's our it is we're having fun we're out at a gig at some point it becomes a defining influence in your life holy shit yeah so did you have an aha moment or was it like a sort of a slow growing thing where one day you're like i can't do this it was a slow growing and then at the very end it was a fucking train wreck right yeah I mean, train wreck yeah. in the sense that, like, you couldn't wake up in the morning or you yeah. parked the car in the front yard or, yeah. I mean, again, I'm not trying to shame. I just, no. I, I think this is a lesson that's valuable for a lot of people. You had to have a moment at some point where you're like, this has to change today. Yeah. It, I mean, yeah. It. So I started drinking at like 17 or 16, 17, 18. When I was 17, I had a really abusive boyfriend dude mm-hmm. he was a major alcoholic and he got very physical with me and there was a lot of like chasing me down the street kind mm. of shit and at this time we're at like height of we're like gigging constantly you're and, happening yeah. you are happening right now but people don't know when i'm off stage i'm getting like beat up by my boyfriend oh, Jesus. it was just this insanity and you then, don't have to share this by the way if you oh, don't want no. to okay i think this is all very like i, I just feel i feel like it's healthy for people to yeah. hear these stories but i'm not asking you to completely open up a vein unless no. you're comfortable with it i'm totally comfortable okay. with it all yeah right. absolutely and that was a huge part of my life i mean a lot of the songs on my newest record are about just abusive relationships. Mm-hmm. It was just a very real part of my life. And I had a really strained upbringing too. I had a really tough childhood. And that kind of stuff, it really feeds into your drinking, you know? And once you find that thing that takes it away, that's a game changer. Once I figured out that I could drink and that I'd be fine, I'd have a great time actually. But here's the bit. You weren't fine when you drank, were Therein you? Therein lies the rub. Aha! Yes! Aha! I knew that there was something. I'm almost yeah. like Indiana Jones that way. Yeah. Tell me about the day you decided, you know, whether it's moving away from abusive boyfriend, whether yeah. it is putting the cap on the bottle for the last time, what was day one like for you? Because that, it's easy, I think, for people to see, be like, you know what? I'm not eating any more carbs. Or... Yeah. I'm not drinking ever again. Or, you know what? I'm going to drive a more fuel-efficient car. Day one is fine. I would like you to tell me about day one, and then I'd like to hear about day 50. God almighty. All right. I know that's a lot. I know that's a lot. Still a little bit of a ramp up here. Sure. Leave that boyfriend. Get a new boyfriend. Mm -hmm. This boyfriend, he's older than me. He can buy me alcohol. Oh, yeah. We move in together at a funeral home. Oh, I didn't think about that. When you started drinking, you weren't old enough to buy booze. No. OMG. I'm sorry. So I I didn't mean to interrupt. (laughs) Tell me about who's moving, ever done that. <laughs> tell me about moving into a funeral home because I feel like I interrupted one of the best parts of the story. Yeah. So me and this boyfriend, we're together for like a year, and then a, a friend is like, "Hey, well, I want to get out of my parents' house at any cost. I'm I want to get out of there. I'm 18." My friend says, "I live at a funeral home. You free rent if you work at the funeral home." Bada bing, bada boom. I'm moving in. I'm living at the funeral home. I'm working at the funeral home. I was. Going to school, I had gotten a full ride 
to McNally Smith College of Music. And cool. I was going, working based, at the Based funeral on your musical home. success? Yeah. Well done. Thank you. So I was living at the funeral home, working there, going to school, drinking like it was my day job. And then I woke up one morning and I my first thought was, I'm going to go into the bathroom and I am going to slip my wrist. And that's what I'm doing today. That's what's happening today. And then I kind of sat there and I was like, that's not at all like a normal thought that a person should have. That's not. Well, because if it were, it would be the last thought Absolutely. you ever had. So then I was like, you know what? I might want to call my mom. So I called my mom and she brought me to the hospital. And then I was in the hospital for a few days. But the thing was, I didn't tell them how much I drank. I just blamed it all on being Depressed, depressed and, yeah. and living in a fucking funeral home. Yeah. Uh, so then I got out and I got sober for two months. I made it two months and then had a really sick relapse and then kept drinking for another few years. Um, when I was 22, I got a big boy job. Um, I was an ILSC. I was an independent living skills coordinator. So I was driving out to people's houses. I had like 15 clients and I was helping people with disabilities manage their lives, go mm. grocery shopping. And it was so funny that I was doing that because I was not managing my own life. And then one day I remember waking up and I, I, I was at the point where I was throwing up every morning Ugh. and I, it, I quit my job and then I went inpatient again because I was very sure that I was either going to die from drinking or I was going to kill myself. And I went into the hospital, and that time I did tell them. I said, I drink every day. And they were like, yeah, that's definitely not good. That's not a great plan. Hmm. Let's get you into treatment. You have good insurance. Why don't we put you into Hazelden? And I was like, yeah. So I'm in the hospital for 10 days. I get home. I'm feeling great. I relapse again. And I don't remember all of February of 2018. Were you in Plymouth or were you up in Center City? I didn't even go inpatient. I ended oh. up doing intensive outpatient. So March 1st was the day I started treatment. And I drank every day leading up to that day. All of that February. I think that's pretty common. Yeah, uh, I think lo- so A too. long time ago, I had a, um, well, we've talked about it because Smart Start was one of our sponsors many yeah. years ago, 20 years ago. I had a Dewey and yeah. I ended up, I, I had a bad one and I didn't hurt anybody, didn't hurt myself, but my level of Dewey was significant. And yeah. part of my punishment was my public service <clears throat> was serving uh, 72 hours at uh what do you call it? Recovery and not recovery. Where do you go when you first are, get turned in? Detox? Yes, yeah. detox. So detox. I had to work the desk. I had to change the sheets. I had to do all the menial labor at detox. And the number, and, oh, one of the other things I had to do was take people's uh, blood alcohol levels before they checked in. Yeah. And apparently it's very, very common when you know you have to check into detox yeah. that day if you're not brought there by the police to get wildly annihilated right before you go yes. in yeah. because then you can be drunk through the first 12, 15, 24 hours of it. Yeah. I took a blood alcohol level from someone who was 0.48, which any one of us in this room, you'd be dead. dead. Yeah. They were laughing and singing and having the time of their lives. It was an eye opener for me. I'm like, 
That's why addiction is such a crazy ass thing. It it changes the nature of how you brain. You're a smart person. You're a smart person. Mm-hmm. I'm a somewhat vaguely intelligent You're a person. Smart person. Um, <laughs> but but it it changes the nature of who you are and it what does. you do and how you think. And it also, like, you wanted to cut your wrists open. I know. My God, Lydia. Holy shit. Oh, but you didn't. So let's get past that. So you get loaded. You go to, so you didn't make it into inpatient. No. And they, for some reason, let me just do outpatient. I was like, I'm living at my parents' house, whatever. I'm under, I'm under watch. So I just did that for like six months. I did intensive outpatient. And yeah, it is very common for people to get annihilated. I remember my grandma is in recovery in my entire life. She was very vocal about it and she kind of knew that this was coming. Yeah. And it is genetic, by the way. If, if, oh, if, yes. It's not automatically genetic, but there are genetic predispositions oh, to God, this. Oh, yes. I got one of those families, and I know you do too, Sean. Yes, How I long do. have you been sober, man? Over six years. Well and done. similarly, I didn't want to live the last day no. that I drank. And You uh, just don't want to. I also had a horrible childhood, so my chip on my shoulder was that I didn't ever get to be a kid. Yeah. Because I saw things like a parent being thrown through a bay window and my mom being constantly suicidal. And right. My, you know, my dad being a violent alcoholic. And so it's tragic to hear, you know, for some reason it's so tragic to hear that about you because you write this, uh, I'm going to get emotional about this. Go oh ahead. God, but you go just what we're doing. Yeah. yeah. I can't talk about it. Okay. No yeah. problem. So, yeah. so, but I mean, yeah. there, there are, there are genetic predispositions. There are, you know, the nature versus nurture thing. I had a brilliant childhood. I love my parents. Yeah. But, you know, I could drink less. Shh. You guys shut up. <laughs> You're crying. I'm not crying. Screw you guys, Lydia. Oh keep God. telling your story. Well, it's just, I, it's all, it's like, I think alcoholism and, and addiction and, God, there's this really fucking good book. It's called The Body Keeps the Score about uh-huh. trauma. And it's saying that, like, the main thing we all have in common is some sort of, like, childhood trauma and i think a really common thread in all of us is what having someone in our life be affected by addiction but then you just look at somebody like you and you're like god damn it you're so fucking talented and that you were for some reason not able to see that and feel that and know that you were like how does that happen that you are given that gift in so many ways and then your body is rejecting yeah. That love and acceptance and everything else. And that's yeah. what's fucked up about it. It's not fair to yeah. have an addiction. It's not It's not right. None of that. But, man, when you get through it to the other side, as you are and where I am, I'm living the best life I've ever had right yes. now. I'm so over my childhood. Holy I'm so over shit. that bullshit. And it's like I it's... I know. Well, the thing that is so amazing, yeah. too, about, like, going in and looking at it, and I, it's, like, called shadow work sometimes. Yeah, yeah. We really lean into the darkest parts of yourself, and yep. you're like... I'm going to take fucking accountability for this and I'm going to be responsible for my actions yep. and I'm going to be responsible for how I responded to my childhood. And instead of living with this victimhood, you're like, all of a sudden you're like, I, uh, there's so much power in this and there, I'm I feel helpful now. Yeah. And most people deserve forgiveness. And I've turned to the point where I just like to help other people. Yeah. You know, I love to help other people that are going through this stuff as long as they're willing to help themselves and they're like all in on helping themselves. Yes. Man, I've seen people turn around their lives oh and not God. everybody, but man alive, when somebody does change their life, especially somebody with such incredible artistic talent as you have, it's just, whew, it's incredible. I, 
I think I got really fucking lucky to be any amount of self-aware where I could be like, what do I want to do more? Yeah. Did you, when you first went into, you know, intensive treatment, yeah. um, because people do get loaded the day before they go in and get annihilated, yeah. as you mentioned, like I imagine the first few days, there's still levels of resistance when oh, you go in. God, yeah. I mean, at what point do you relent and be like, oh, shit, like I, if I don't do this, I will die. Yeah, I so the night before I had talked to my grandma on the phone and she was like, I'm giving you permission. You go out and you get loaded. Oh, but she said it in like a you probably shouldn't. But. <laughs> You know, she said it like a grandma. Sean and I are both Irish Catholics, so that's kind of like when my mom said every time I was growing up, she's like, will you do whatever you think is best? Pretty much. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. 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 Yeah, she's like, you go out, you get loaded. (laughs) So I did, and the next day I remember walking in there, and I thought I was going to throw up the whole time, and I ran into a friend who was working there, and he was like, what are you doing here? And I was like, what the fuck do you think I'm doing here? (laughs) And then I, it was day three, and I was fucking livid. I was so angry. I don't think I've ever been that angry. I was like, I cannot believe this is being taken away from me. My only solace, like the only thing that has My relief. My relief is the completely gone, and now I got Mm -hmm. a raw dog reality. Yep. Now I got to look at all of this. Raw Dog Reality is the name of my new acoustic side project, by the way. And I am not trying to minimize what you're saying, because what you're saying is so important right now. But Raw Dog Reality. (laughs) God damn, that's good, Lydia. Well done. Thank you. Well, that's what it is. It is, though. Yeah. It's it's raw. It's so exceptionally real. But I just, I like it when creative people are able to put an informative and more definitive spin on the bullshit of what it means to be alive on the <laughs> daily. Fuck yeah. I, Honestly, I, half the time I wake up, I mean, I'm like still, I'm in therapy, I'm on Prozac, I go to meetings and oh, I yeah. still wake up and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? My dad uh, went sober when I was 16 years old and I'm yeah. now 51. He still goes to meetings at least twice a week yeah. and meetings saved his life. They do. Yeah, and, and that's the whole bit is he... The, the, it seems like a cliche. Like when I used to see all those bumper stickers, like one day at a time, I'm like, oh, whatever. Okay, boomer. Um, and But it's real, isn't it? One day at a time is the only way you save your life. Yes. Oh. It is. I remember when I was growing up, My, I mean, my parents did the best they could. They're, my, they're still my favorite people. I love them very much. Love mine too. My dad, over the front of our door our front door he wrote the henry david thoreau quote to affect the quality of the day that is the highest of arts wow and that's an that's another way to put one day at a time hell yeah and my parents they grew up in alcoholic homes so then therefore i grew up in an alcoholic home right and then i became an alcoholic home for myself you know like it this lineage but still within that there was like this resounding wisdom so i had a really strange dichotomy going on where i was like this is a lot of hypocrisy. Yeah. But at the same time, I was like, okay, what, which, which truth am I going to hold on to? That it's all fucked or that there is power here that I can take and change? Lydia Liza, uh, in addition to being very insightful and very bright and... 
God, you guys knock it off. <laughs> Seriously, knock it off. Uh, has a new record on the way called Oh Boy. It's coming out on January 31st. She also has a show that night in the entry with some of the best. Big Cats, obviously, playing along with you. But our guy, Dwynell, is going to be there. You got K-Radio. You got Talia Knight that's going to be there. Details are available widely online. Um, can we hear another one of your songs and we'll yeah. wrap things up? Yes. Tell me about this next song while um, I find something to dry my eyes with. I know. Damn it. <laughs> the, this song is called I Demand It. It was It's a song about codependency. It was me begging a, another boyfriend to stay with me. I don't have good habits, so it's all a wash. The curtains fall, and I'm all I've got. Had to mend it. I'd be good for you. be good to you The further I get from that blacked out terrain your voice comes as clear as rain from the satellite More music from Lydia Liza. Lydia, is that on the new record as well? This is from the one that came out in September. The prior one. Okay. So again, how long had it been since you, I mean, the one that came out in September of Unsound Mind, that's sort of your debut full length, even though you've been making music for years and years. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Okay. This one was the one I did a Kickstarter for it. Right. And then we raised 
$13,000. Holy cowboy. Holy well, moly. <laughs> again, the pressure of being a teenage phenom, and I don't mean to make too much of that, but it's still like, when I was a teenager, I was still like, do I really have to stop playing Dungeons and Dragons? Because I really like it. Right. As opposed to you having a musical outlet and finding a gift for it. And again, not everybody who decides that's what they want to do have the right gift for it. So let's talk about the new record, Oh Boy, real briefly before we wrap up here. Yeah. Uh, also, thank you for sharing everything because yeah. this stuff is important. And what I like about you is that you can share the sensibility and the philosophy of finding sobriety, of rebuilding your life, of pulling things online, but you're not, you know, there are people who go into sobriety and it becomes their defining trait. Oh my God. Or they're righteous. Yeah. I don't well, like then that's what I people, mean. Yeah. And like, yeah. it's, it's, so you may have a good message to bring, but it's not what you lead with, but yeah. it's an important part of who you are. Exactly. And I got sober because I fucking had to. Like yeah. so many people, uh, it's not like it's not the only part of me. It's also not like an amazing special thing. Tons of people do it. Tons. It's like a really important, beautiful thing. To me, it's like people who uh, have, but again, it's rare because sometimes when something like that literally saves your life, yeah. you can't help but lead with it. You can't help but try to tell the world because you're still trying to get your head around it. You're still trying to get your yeah. hands around it. So like being a vegan or having a deep and powerful faith, these are things that are for you. Now, yeah. if someone needs your help, then you're well equipped to provide it for them. But I like that it's not defining like your new record. I'm excited to listen to the whole thing because yeah. that first song we heard was exceptional. It really Thank was. You. And yeah. it, it, it didn't sound judgy or weird, which, you know, a lot, <laughs> I mean, honest, I know. A, a lot of people who go into recovery, it becomes their defining yeah. aspect. And to me, that diminishes an otherwise well, interesting I think, person. You know, who was it? Freaking Vonnegut. Was it Vonnegut who said uh, religion is the opioid for the masses? Yeah. Kurt Vonnegut. It, yeah. yeah, it's like that kind of thing where you can let anything become your drug of choice again. And yeah. the people who are self-righteous about sobriety or even self-righteous about their faith and everything like that, that's just another fucking layer they're hiding behind. Mm -hmm. And it's not it's not reality. It's not true. That's not them. And it's just another layer of fear to keep them from having to raw dog reality. Mm. I love the uh, the saying "love is a verb," and I love the, the yeah. faith and action thing. That I don't care what you say you believe or exactly. what you're into. Just show, like, yes. demonstrate through your actions that you're a decent human being and not a piece of shit. Exactly. And we'll probably get along fairly well. Yeah, fairly well. Yeah, fairly I'm, well. I'm not going <laughs> to openly steal it. I will give you credit, but I'm going to tell you right now that raw dogging reality yeah. is is going to become part of my vernacular. Beautiful. And I, but I will give you credit and direct people to your website, oh, which is wonderful. what? LydiaLiza.com. <laughs> that it would be L-Y-D-I-A-L-I-Z-A. Perfect. Dot com. Yeah. Uh, also, you have a show coming up to celebrate the release of your brand new full length called Oh Boy in yeah. the entry wow, two weeks from tomorrow. Mm -hmm. That would be just over a fortnight away, Sean. Ah, bada That's bing, right. bada boom. <laughs> Tell me who else is going to be there, Lydia. Oh, man. Dwynell Rowland. Mm, K-Radio. Mm. God, I love him, too. I'm oh. going gonna, gonna to be like, you take 
my section you know, also. I'm, I'm looking at my calendar yeah. right here. No, I have nothing, nothing that night. There you go. Now, I'm not you sure better. that I'm still on the list at First Avenue after well, <laughs> events from not too long ago. But we'll I, I'm still going to come we'll down your show. We'll put you on our list, Brian. Well, yeah, but I just, and I, Sean. Just, so long as I <laughs> have Sean, 86, yes. But I am putting down on my thing in pen, by the way. And well, well, that pen still worked. It looks like yeah. it's broken. Okay. Well, close. My point is, I'm coming down to see it. So yeah. you and... Dwynell Rollins. Are going to be there? Yes. And then... Talia Knight and K Radio. And in case people, because sometimes people who are not adjacent to people with substance addiction issues or alcoholism issues, yeah. when you talk about the new record being informed by that, it's not it's not a preachy bonk you over the head record, right? It's informed Absolutely by your experiences. Not. Yeah. yeah. Everything. Every time I write, it's not. I love your song. Even. Step eight, step eight, step eight is great. Yes. Step nine, step nine, and we're feeling oh. fine. Yeah, Don't get me started nine, on step, step nine. Let's do, not. do it again. <laughs> I, fucking Jesus. Lydia, I met you years ago, and I enjoyed your company then. Meeting you now, I enjoy your company even more. Before we say our final goodbye, yeah. I need to thank a couple of sponsors like Great River Radon Mitigation. You call Laurie, 612-701-2216. Radon is a noble gas. There's nothing noble about what it does to the human form, and that is it's the leading cause of lung cancer in non-spokers. Uh, exposure to radon gas. So you want to have your basement tested. Now, if you have it tested and you're free, clear whew, that's a hundred bucks well spent yeah. how do you get the hundred dollar deal sean um you have to contact uh laurie by uh texting her which is 612-701-2216 now should you have radon they can help you mitigate it which is the whole bit certainly that's more expensive than if you don't have it but also not dying of lung cancer worth an investment in your home and they do it more affordably than most of the other places that i've seen correct all of the other places that i've seen Mm -hmm. uh, as a realtor well, and our sponsors are what allow us to, you know, in addition to our Patreon members, who, by the way, two weeks from tonight, the first ever live event with Ben Lubeck, ben Lubeck. at oh Hook and God. Ladder. And I thought it was only going to be VIPs, but Sean, why did they go? Why did they call him crazy? How does he keep the prices so low? Because he's crazy. All of our <laughs> Patreon members are going to be invited to that. Thanks to AudioQuip. Thanks to BuyRebeccaStudios.com. Thanks to Amy Bartell Stubblefield, who has designed our website and taken care of things on that end. And updated. All these cool updates that we're doing. She's been like Amy on the spot. Don't Amazing. be jealous of the rocks that she's got. She's still <laughs> Amy. Amy from the block. Um, <laughs> what song do we decide to end with tonight? Oh, I don't know. Brian. Take a look. Well, uh, it's so- Left Bank. Oh, 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 oh. So before we, before we take off entirely here, Lydia... Um, I'm not joking. This has been inspirational. And the oh, fact God. that you're so open about all the things that you do, you will come back again, yeah? I would love that. We'd okay. love to have you back. So yeah. after you have this release show, what does the rest of your spring and summer look like? I'm going on tour in February, for yeah. a very short one. Um, just a little acoustic tour with a couple friends. And what is that like when you, like, so again, you hear about people going on tour and you're like, oh, we're jetting here. We're taking a big bus there. It's so there. funny. It's so not that. I, I know it's not that, <laughs> which is why I like asking this question yeah. because going on tour, even a brief one, even yeah. a regional one, tour sounds exciting to a 16 year old for a full grown ass adult like yourself. Yeah. Tours a bit of, I mean, even though you get to do what you want and bring your music to other people, tours kind of a grind. Yeah, it is. It really is. The first tour I went on was a national 30-day tour where it was like we're eight of us in a van getting up at five, going to yeah. bed at three, you know? Yeah. Mm. Um, 
And then this one is going to be me and a couple of more adult adults. They'll be driving and their dog. And then we're going to go to New Mexico to get away from the winter for a little bit. I come home and then I'm playing the fucking Fillmore. Holy crap. And we have to talk more about that because the Fillmore is a new launch. And Fillmore East and West are two of the most iconic and significant venues that happened in 20th century American music. The fact that it's not only still a brand, but still a thing. And they're opening one two blocks away from Sean, where you and I were this morning at a different meeting. Yeah. It's remarkable because they're going to have, they've got a three night stand with Brandy Carlisle there. They've Mm -hmm. got some huge things lined up. Do you know the date of when you're playing at the Fillmore? Yeah, I'm playing on the 16th of, of February with Motion City Soundtrack. Holy crap, really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Opening up for Motion City Soundtrack. Maybe you'll have to come back and talk about that after it's happened or Yeah. Wow. Okay, well, lovely to see you. Thank you so, so much for the time you. and all the information and um wow, the new record Oh Boy out at the end of the month, January 31st, show at the entry and we'll have details up on our website, but you can also go to lydializa.com. Lydia, thank you very much. Thank you so much, you guys. Great to meet you. Really yeah. really wonderful to sit down and have this conversation. The last thing I wanted to do was leave with a note that unfortunately I apparently shut down the story at some point, but we lost a member of one of my favorite pop bands of all time. Baroque pop sounds like one of those snooty pitchfork qualifications for music, you know, like, like, oh, it's Baroque pop. But what it means is it incorporates some older school instruments and it's a little more sophisticated than old school pop music. The Left Bank, a band out of New York, New York from the late 60s, they wrote some beautiful terribly beautiful string drenched music some of it had harpsichord and that's really that's what baroque pop means and it is terrible to hear that one of the members i believe was it rick brand i'm sorry i lost the story in any event the guy who sings on their two biggest hits that you know don't walk away renee and the song we're about to hear has passed and it just it keeps happening as you get older and these things that were part of your firmament and your foundation as you grew up they're going to keep passing. Now, do I have a left bank tattoo on my my body? No, no, I don't. not that you know of. Hmm. <laughs> not anywhere. I'm right be... on his left cheek. <laughs> not, not anywhere. Left not anywhere. <laughs> but like this song. So walk. Don't walk away, Renee. Is easily their biggest hit. But this song has such a beautiful melancholy to it. It felt fitting as a way to say farewell, not only to the member of the left bank, but also from this episode of the Brian Oak Show. <laughs> 